Thank you so much again for being here. I want you to turn in your Bible and just hold your place there to Galatians chapter 5. Today we began a new month-long emphasis. You know, we, we just finished up. Uh, let me just back up. I, I'm a great reviewer. I love to review. We just finished up a series called Who Are You? Uh, discovering Your True Identity in Christ. I want to encourage you, if you missed any of that, go back to our website and, uh, or, or get on iTunes and look it up and really begin to plug in our keynote verse for those six or eight weeks was 2 Corinthians 5, 17, which says that, therefore, if there's anyone in Christ, what happens? They're a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Just like what you saw just a few moments ago in the video, God turns things around. He makes things new. And so uh, as we conclude that, now we're jumping into Galatians chapter 5 and going to spend three, uh, four or five weeks talking about taking our stand. Everyone say, take your stand. You know, on Wednesday, and let me just say, let me just, I meant to say this earlier, let me just say Wednesday morning is our, is our normal, is not our normal Wednesday service, but we're going to have a Wednesday morning Liberty Prayer Breakfast in lieu of our Wednesday night service because that's July 4th. And so we want to encourage you to be here. I want to I encourage everybody to be here uh, July 4th from 8 to 9.30. Nathan, our son, by the way, will be in. He, he might be in this evening or in the, tomorrow for a few days. And so he's going to actually be here leading worship for us that morning. Uh, and so he doesn't know that yet, that on Wednesday morning he's going to be up at 7 o'clock getting ready to lead worship. He Don't tell him. I'll, I'll break the news for that. But but he'll be here leading worship for us. We're going to have a breakfast. Our children's ministry will be in fine form. And so get your kids up early on July 4th and tell them we're going to the house of God to have breakfast with our family. But more importantly, we're going to the house of God to pray for our nation and pray for our church and pray that God's liberty and, and mercy and grace would be made manifest in our families and in our lives. So it's going to be a great time. We'll come together at, at, at 8 uh, and from about eight to nine, we'll have service and children's ministry. And then from about nine to nine 15, we'll go have breakfast. And so, uh, right here in our, in our children's church room. So it's going to be a great day and I want to encourage everybody to come. And then after that, you're free, uh, not only spiritually, but, uh, uh in your schedule to have family time. And I want to encourage you to bring your extended family, invite your friends and say, let's get a start on this holiday and, and let's get a good start. Let's come to church on Wednesday morning from eight to nine 30. We'll feed you. It's going to be a great time. Uh, and so that's this coming Wednesday. Uh, and so I encourage you to be a part of that. Uh, let's have a great holiday this weekend. And so in light of all of that, uh, you can see today the patriotic theme. Uh, really, God wants us to stand fast in the liberty that he has set us free in. But, but let me begin today because, you know, our forefathers and you know, I always have to mention this on July 4th weekend. I had the glorious opportunity as a college student to actually carry one of Ben Franklin's printed Declaration of Independence, uh, the printed form, not the original, from, from a bank vault to a college campus in an old 67 Cadillac with a friend of mine who was a uh, the teacher and then a couple of security guards uh, actually carried it in my hand and helped set it up uh, for display 
So I have, an, a, I have a very personal, when it comes to Independence Day, I have a real personal uh, remembrance of being able to actually carry that wonderful document uh, in my hand. And some of the last words of that document are so powerful, where the signers of the Declaration of Independence said they pledged their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor, basically, to, to this Declaration of Independence. And so we have a great history. And so we're going to begin to talk about taking our stand in the liberty that Christ has set us free in. Let me just give you some quotes from some of our founding fathers who, who, who understood uh, more about liberty and the pursuit of happiness than, than most of us do today. Ben Franklin, uh, he said, they that can give up essential liberty to obtain a little temporary safety deserve neither liberty nor safety. They that give up essential liberty to obtain a little temporary safety deserve neither liberty nor safety. Thomas Paine said this, those who expect to reap the benefits of freedom must, like men, undergo the fatigue of supporting it. How many of you know if we're going to walk in the liberty that Christ has for us, it's going to take effort. It's going to take energy. And as Thomas Paine knew from a, from a governmental standpoint, if we're going to maintain our liberty, it's going to take men standing up uh, with effort and energy to support that liberty. Daniel Webster said, God grants liberty only to those who love it and are always ready to guard and defend it. Everyone say guard and defend. That's the kind of the theme we're going to be talking about. You can take these quotes and you can apply them to our spiritual liberty in Christ. Thomas Jefferson, this is one of my favorite. I actually tweeted it this morning. If you're a tweeter or a Twitter fan, you can follow me on Twitter. Every once in a while I tweet on Twitter. Uh, and if you can say it, you can do it. Thomas Jefferson said this, eternal vigilance is the price of liberty. Eternal vigilance is the price of liberty. And that's so important for us from a spiritual standpoint. And then I love what Ronald Reagan said, one of our uh, the contemporaries uh, uh, for some of us, freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it to our children in the bloodstream. It must be fought for, protected, and handed on to them to do the same. And so we realize that our forefathers the leaders that have helped forge the liberties that we enjoy today as a nation understood that our liberty would be maintained and established by effort and energy and, and, and fatigue and, and fight and war and battle to be able to maintain the liberty that we enjoy today. It's no different from a spiritual standpoint. You and I need to understand that. And so as we look at Galatians chapter 5 verse 1, I want you to see this passage of Scripture. And as we did last month with 2 Corinthians 5, 17, let's take this verse and really let it go deep in our heart this month and really memorize it and apply it in our life. In fact, let's read it together slowly and clearly so we can begin to establish this truth in our heart. Galatians 5, 1 says this. Let's read it together. Stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free and be not entangled again in the yoke of bondage. Let's read it again. Stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free and be not entangled again 
and the yoke of bondage. That's Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. I want you to mark it in your Bible. I want you to begin to memorize it, even put it on your refrigerator. Just begin to establish this truth in your life and let the truth of God's liberty come, come full circle in your heart. Now, there's some things that we need to understand about this passage of Scripture. There's three important insights I want to show you that you and I need to understand. Number one, we have been liberated. Somebody say amen. We've been set free by the power of Almighty God. In fact, Jesus in Luke chapter 4, when he walked into the temple and picked up the scroll, he picked up the book of Isaiah and he began to read and he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to proclaim liberty. Everyone say liberty. You see, the Spirit of God came upon Jesus Christ to preach the gospel and proclaim and bring liberty to the world that is that is and was bound in sin. You see, Romans 6 says we're slaves to sin until we yield ourselves unto God and become his children. So somebody thank God for the liberty we have in Christ. You see, Galatians 5, 1 says, stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. We have been liberated, amen? Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 36, he said, he who the Son sets free is what? Somebody say, free indeed. He who the Son sets free, and that's what Paul was trying to get across to the Galatian church has been freed indeed. And so we need to walk in that freedom and establish the, that freedom in our hearts. So the first important insight is we have been liberated. But number two, we can be entangled again. We need to realize the warning. In fact, this Galatian church had been liberated from the law and liberated from the flesh, but they began to falter and began to come back under the spell and the entanglement of sin and legalism. In fact, uh, Galatian chapter three, Paul said this, oh foolish Galatians. Let me just stop and say, could it be foolish of us to be free in Christ and then, and then find ourselves all entangled up again in the legalism of life and the legalism of sin? He said, oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish? Catch this, verse 3. Having begun in the Spirit, and, you now, and are you now being made perfect by the flesh? You see, he knew this church was in trouble. He knew this church had begun in the spirit and begun a, a, a walk with God, but for one reason or another, they began to be entangled again in the legalism of life and the legalism of the law and, and, and the bondage of the flesh. And so as we embrace Galatians chapter five, verse one, yes, we have been liberated. Somebody say amen. But the warning is we can, if we're not careful, if we don't stand fast, we can be entangled again. And so it's important to understand that. It's important to not be too cocky and arrogant about who we are, but, but realize, hey, I, I, I put my trust in him and I lean heavily upon him. The third thing from this verse that is so important is this, we must take our stand. We must take our stand. He told the Galatian church, you better take your stand. You better stand fast. That word stand fast means to be stationary, unmoved, firmly established. You know, there are a lot of old hymns and we don't sing hymns much anymore. 
But there's a lot of them that establish the fact that we need to be firmly established in him. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All earth, all other ground is shifting sand. And so, so many old hymns, you know, standing on the promises of Christ, our King. Through eternal ages, let his praises ring. And so on and on they go. And so we, we from the Bible to the hymns, from every standpoint, God speaks to us that it's time for us <coughs> or that we must take our stand. Stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free and be not entangled again in the yoke of bondage. You look at the word of God and you'll realize all throughout scripture, God is instructing his kids, instructing his church to stand fast. Just a few quick verses just to validate that. Paul told the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 16, 13, he said, watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave be strong. I love that one. That's 1 Corinthians 16, 13. He told the Philippians in Philippians 4, 1, therefore stand fast in the Lord. He told the church in Thessalonica in chapter, uh, 1 Thessalonians 3, 8, for now we live if we stand fast in the Lord. I like that one. Real living only takes place when we take our stand with him. Amen. And then 2 Thessalonians 2, 15, stand fast and hold the traditions that you were taught. And so today we take this biblical precedent to our heart that God wants us to, if we're going to maintain and, and grow in the liberty that we have in Christ, we must stand fast. Everyone say stand fast. And so for the next few weeks, I'm going to begin talking to you about some things that we stand fast in. And here, the, here they are so far. We're, this morning in just a moment, we're going to talk about standing fast in the spirit. Next week, should Jesus tarry? We're going to talk about standing fast in the Word of God and finding strength and stability, not only in the Spirit, but in the Word. And then the third week of July, we're going to talk about standing fast in prayer because prayer has a liberating force in our life. And then number four, we're going to talk about standing fast in, at the place of praise. Praise will liberate your life. It'll transform your life. It's going to be a great month. And I want to encourage all of you to come and, and, and take your stand with Pastor Sam. And let's just take new ground of liberty in our life. And I really believe, let me make this declaration. I really believe that God is going to begin to bring us as the prophetic word. I, I, I didn't catch all of it that, that, some, that Trent was sharing, that Cade shared a few moments ago, or last night. That God's going to lead us to new levels of liberty. I really believe believe that in our hearts today. Look at your neighbor and just with a put put your best Pentecostal grin on and go be free in Jesus name. Tell somebody, be free in Jesus' name. I really believe that. In fact, this morning, if we have time, we may just stir up new levels of liberty in our heart today. And so, are you ready? On your mark, get set, let's go. Let's talk about being taking our stand and standing fast in the spirit. You see in Galatians chapter five, verse one, where he said, stand fast, therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ has set you free and be not entangled again in the yoke of bondage. <coughs> he begins to give insight as to how to do that. In chapter, uh, chapter five, verse 16, <coughs> pardon me. He says this, I say then, in other words, because of everything I've told you, I say then walk in the spirit 
and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, what was the church in Galatians having problems with? They were getting entangled again in legalism and in the flesh. He said, so if you'll walk in the Spirit, and for our sake in the context of this mess, if you'll walk in the Spirit and take your stand and stand fast in the Spirit of God and in the presence of God, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh and you will not revert back and you will not be entangled again in the yoke of bondage. He goes on to say, for the flesh lusts against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh and they are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that, it, that you wish. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh Flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness. How many of you know there's a lot of works of the flesh? And he says, uh, and, and, and revelries and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, and just I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the Spirit. Somebody smile and say amen. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such, there is no law. So we understand something that the Spirit of God brings great liberty in our life and delivers us and separates us from the works of the flesh. And so, in fact, I love 2 Corinthians 3.17. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Liberty. So if we get in the Spirit, if we walk in the Spirit and we begin to take our stand at being filled with the Holy Spirit, guess what? We'll experience and be able to appreciate, thank you so much, the liberty of Christ in our life. We get in the Spirit, there's liberty. So important for us to realize that, that if we'll just yield ourselves to the influence and the control of the Holy Spirit on a daily basis, it will bring great liberty in our life. You see, I love what the Spirit of God does in our life from a liberation standpoint. The first one you really see in the first century church is when they began to uh, uh, take their stand in the Spirit and began to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit and they were filled with the Spirit. It freed them from fear. How many of you know the Spirit of God will liberate you from the fears of this life? In fact, look at the first century church. You know, think about Jesus. Jesus was crucified, and these disciples thought they would probably be next. That there was a, going to be a systematic eradication of Christianity uh, or, or this new move of following Christ. And so they were huddled up, and they were, they were fearful of their life. You can read it. And so they were fearful, but the Holy Spirit came upon them. And transform them from being full of fear to fearless. In fact, Peter got, gets up under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and begins to boldly proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and, and the power of God began to be made manifest. And, and God began to do great things. And the Spirit of God delivered this first century church from fear by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then as persecution began to hit the church... In fact, chapter 4, Peter and John are arrested. And they're, they're, they're uh, 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 under, the, under the governmental religious control. And they're, they're thinking, we've got to stop these guys. Because, in fact, the Bible says in that chapter, they're turning the whole world upside down. 
And it says this in chapter 8, when they got arrested, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them. I love that verse. Let me tell you something. If you're ever going to talk to anybody uh, uh, in governmental authority, uh, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. He said, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. He began to say to them. And he shared the gospel with them. And there was boldness, and they saw the boldness of Peter and John. And in verse 19, Peter and John answered when they threatened them. It says, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we've seen and heard. And then they realized that there was such a great political, or pardon me, pressure from the people, they let them go because they had, they thought if we keep them, we're going to have an upheaval and an uprising among the people. So they go back to the place of prayer. And in chapter four, they began to pray. And they said in verse 29, now Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness that we may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders might be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled were, uh, was, was, together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the Word of God with what? Boldness. Somebody say boldness. What do we see in this first century church when they got the power of the Holy Spirit, when they took their stand in the, in the Spirit of God and they allowed the Spirit of God to take precedence in their life? It freed them from fear. Amen. We also see that the Spirit of God being made manifest in our life from the Scripture standpoint, we see that it'll free us from the flesh. That's what that Galatians 5 passage is all about. If you walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. And so the Spirit of God brings liberty over the fears of life. In fact, remember what Paul told Timothy. He said, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. And then, the, then the Spirit of God frees us from the flesh. If we walk in the Spirit, we'll not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. And then number three, the Spirit of God frees us from the floods. What are you talking about here, preacher? Well, I, Isaiah 59, verse 19, a prophetic insight for us today. It says, when the enemy comes in like a flood. That's Isaiah 59. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord lifts up up a standard against him. So how important could it be for us if we're going to move beyond where we are today and stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free? We've got to stand fast in the Spirit. And let the Spirit of God liberate us from the fears of this life and the intimidations of this world and free us from the flesh that we struggle with and give us great grace where the fruit of the Spirit can be began to be made manifest in our life and free us from the flood of the the enemy's attack that tries to flood down upon us. Have you ever felt the enemy's flood, his attack coming upon you like a flood? Well, the promise of God is when that happens, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. Somebody say amen. And so it's so important for us, if we're going to take our stand and walk in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, to stand fast in the Spirit. 
And this morning, I just want to give you some requirements, some things you and I need to embrace today if we're going to follow through and begin to take our stand in the Spirit. Let me just give you some thoughts that we learned from the first century church and, and from the instructions of Paul the Apostle. The first one is, if we're going to take our stand in the Spirit, it requires that we be completely consumed. Everyone say, completely consumed. Let me tell you something about the Holy Spirit's influence in your life. He wants to completely consume your life. In fact, the Bible says in Acts chapter five, 1 verse 5, Paul said to this first century church, he said, go to Jerusalem because you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, how many of you know what baptism means? Baptize means to what? Come on, somebody say it out loud and proud. Baptism means to immerse. He comes to this first century church and says, listen, I'm not going to leave you without a comforter. I'm not going to leave you without a helper. Go to Jerusalem because you're going to be immersed in the power and the influence of the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And you know what? I think he understood that that's what they needed in their life in order to be able to take their stand and accomplish the new kingdom purpose that God had empowered, was about to empower them to accomplish. And that was to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. Everyone say completely consumed. I think we need to come to a place in our life where we just yield ourselves completely. Holy Spirit, just overwhelm me, empower me, consume me, just fill me and immerse me in all that you are and all that you have for me. I, I pray you hunger and thirst after that today and begin to allow that kind of experience to be made manifest in your life. The second thing is, we, if we're going to stand fast in the Spirit, we've got to be continually filled. We can't just let a one-time experience be enough. The filling and empowering of the Holy Spirit has to be a daily thing. In fact, Ephesians chapter 5, you can write it down, verse 18. Paul says this, don't be drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be what? Filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Greek there, the, the real meaning and reading of that, it says, don't be drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be continually being filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, every day when you wake up, Spirit of God, empower me. Spirit of God, fill me. I want to be filled up. How many of you know we leak? We leak. And we need a fresh... Uh, inflow of the Holy Spirit in our life just flowing through us. Someone told me once, don't, don't always pastor minister out of the overflow of God in your life. I thought that was a great thing because we leak. And so as a result, we need the continual flow of the Holy Spirit in our life. That means daily allowing the Holy Spirit to empower us, equip us, uh, uh, strengthen us, help us. He is our helper and he wants to help us every day. You see, if we're going to take our stand and be stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has set us free, we've got to stand fast in the spirit, completely consumed, continually filled. And number three, corporately connected. Because, in fact, let me just go to Ephesians chapter 5 with you for a moment, 4 and 5, four, chapter 4. He says this, don't be drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Then verse 19 of that same chapter, catch what he says, in the same theme of being filled with the Holy Spirit, he says, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Could I tell you today, being filled with the Spirit has more to do with the whole body of Christ than it does just you. Because I understand something. Those who are filled with the Spirit, they, they, they get corporately connected. In fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says the Spirit of God, catch this, the Spirit of God baptized us into the body of Christ. You can read it. And so in other words, hey, if you want to stand fast in the Spirit, you've got to be completely consumed, continually filled, and corporately connected for the fullest expression of the infilling of God to be made manifest not only in you but through you. Because you see, he, he, he wants to move not only just to you but through you. Amen? Look at somebody and say, God wants to move through you today. Tell somebody, God wants to move through you today. He wants to flow through you, not just to you. And so it's so important for us to get corporately connected so the Spirit of God can flow through us to the body of Christ and into the world. And then number four, if we're going to stand fast in the Spirit we need to follow the lead of our first century church and be completely committed. You see, when you follow the leading and the, and the first century church and they're, and they're following the follow-up after God filled them with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, they became completely committed. And when you look at this, we looked at the fact that they were under persecution. We see they did not back up. They did not, they did not uh, flinch. They kept pressing forward and they prayed and they said, Lord, you behold their threats. But we want to keep doing what you've called us to do. We're going to keep pressing forward. We're all in. We've got this thing. We're going to stay focused on the purpose of God for our life. We're completely committed to the ministry of the Holy Spirit flowing through our lives. You see, if we're going to stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has set us free and not be entangled again in the yoke of bondage, we've got to stand fast in the Spirit. Let Him free us. Free us from our fears. Amen? Free us from the flesh. Bring liberty in our lives. Free us indeed. For when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord lifts up a standard against him. How's it going to happen if we're completely consumed, continually filled, corporately connected, and completely committed to allowing the Holy Spirit move through our life? You know, I'm reminded of what Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1. I quoted portions of it a few moments ago, but he was about to pass the baton. He's about to pass the baton of pastoral leadership onto his son in the faith, Timothy. <clears throat> and he says this to him, he says, stir up the gift of God, which is in you, which is given to you by the laying on of the hands of the elders and the presbytery. And then he kind of gives a little understanding of what he's talking about this gift. He said, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. What's he saying? Stir up the gift of God, which is the Holy Spirit in your life. And if you look at the Greek there, that stir up means to fan into flame. 
Cause the flame of the Spirit of God to begin to burn bright in your life. Stand fast in the Spirit. Amen? Let's stand up together this morning. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has set you free. Be not entangled again in the yoke of bondage. Let's bow our heads before the Lord. Let me ask you a question today as we bow our heads. Let's be honest. You know, I was honest when Jim asked if there was anyone who woke up this morning kind of frustrated or struggling and over finances. I was honest. I lift my hand because that's what happened to me. I felt like God was speaking to me this morning through Jim. And if you feel like God's speaking to you this morning through Pastor Sam, you realize your spiritual life is struggling. And you need to fan into flame the gift of God, speaking of the Spirit of God in your life. You need to stir the fires of the Spirit of God in your life once again. This morning, we're going to take a little time in the altar and just begin to declare our appreciation for the Holy Spirit and our commitment to His influence in our life as the helper, as the paraclete, the one brought alongside to help us. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, and you can hear and you can say, Pastor, that's me. You got me this morning. I need a fresh stirring. I need, a, I need the Holy Spirit, uh, a flame of God to begin to burn bright in me. I need His. I, I've not really been allowing Him influence and import into my life. And today I want to yield to His control and His influence in my life once again. I want to sense His presence in my life. And I need His fresh infilling in my life so I can stand fast.